by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of, where, of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, guys, when I was growing up in the South, in Tennessee, uh, Sunday was the worst day of the week for me. I was a kid who lived for the weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, my goal was to escape the pain and suffering of this world. And Sunday was the worst day because that was the recovery day. That was the day that you uh, basically tried to sleep in as long as possible, catch your breath, because on Monday you had to go back to school. And so Sunday was like the day everything slowed down. And for somebody who was trying to escape their pain, for somebody who was trying to run from their problems, uh, Sunday was pumping the brakes in the South where I grew up. And every once in a while, my family would uh, actually take me to church or drag me to church. I did figure out how to sneak out of church in different ways. But even worse than having to go to church was also having to go to this thing called Sunday school, which I experienced the most uh, during this little season that we went to a Baptist church. And I got in trouble there more than probably anywhere else in my life. Um, and I had to go to school on Sunday. I couldn't think of anything worse that my parents could do to me than actually make me go to school one more extra day of the year, uh, much less to be told what I felt like I was doing was wrong. So I hated Sunday, and I did not like church. Now, that's, that was one extreme. I, I grew, obviously, in my understanding of, of church and Sunday uh, worship, but I've also met people, some of them uh, my age, some of them older, some of them younger, uh, but, but even in the, in the last weeks, uh, generations beyond me who have gone to church their whole life. And they love church. They love Sunday. They love worship. In fact, if, if, if they could be here right now, they, they would be here. Um, they would be here every, they would never miss um, if it was up to them. And, and yet, those same people, if I've asked them or when I've asked them, hey, what is it about church? What is it that makes you want to be there every Sunday? Uh, some of them don't actually know the answer to that. They, they don't know the answer. So you have me on one extreme who hated church. You have others that are so faithful to it. But I would say both of us uh, need the opportunity to really reimagine what Sabbath is all about. What Sunday coming together for worship is all about. And that's what we hope to do this whole month. But tonight we're going to be uh, really focusing here on this text from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a part of the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. Uh, that is also considered the law. So when you hear people talk in Scripture about the law, where they refer back to the law, uh, they're not just talking about the Ten Commandments, which our text comes from the Ten Commandments tonight. They're talking about those first five books of the Bible. That's really important to understand. Why? Because when we talk about the law in Christianity or in Judaism uh, as well, 
we're not just talking about rules, we're talking about a narrative. We're talking about stories. And so these first five books of the Bible are full of narratives, full of stories. They are also, they also do contain the Ten Commandments. And that's what we're focused on tonight is the Ten Commandments. The first time we see the Ten Commandments is in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And the second time we see them hashed out the way they're hashed out here is in uh, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. And if you compare them side by side, the only commandments that really have any kind of distinct difference are, is number four, the one that we read tonight. When you read it in the context of Exodus, Exodus calls us into Sabbath rest as a reflection of the God who made us, as a reflection of the God we're following, uh, because He rested. He created for six days, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 2, He rests. And we're called into this same rhythm. And that is the ultimate focus there in uh, the book of Exodus. When we come to Deuteronomy, Moses frames it in a different context. Moses frames it in the context of slavery. He says, you were once enslaved, now rest. That Sabbath is a day that we continually, week in after week out, take this day to pause, to remember our slavery, the God who redeemed us from it, and to celebrate it, week in after week out. That is the context so important because there's these themes throughout scripture right that we see like when jesus is asked uh, to summarize the law he says love the lord your god with all your heart with all your strength with all your soul with all your might and love your neighbor as yourself well sabbath is also one of those themes when it comes to the law that is so important for us to reimagine or if you will to re-understand to go back and understand what was moses really driving at in the book of deuteronomy and here tonight, I want us to uh, focus on these three things when it comes to Sabbath. That Sabbath, when we really understand the power of it, when we really understand the liturgy of it, the call of it, these are the things that we're going to understand. That Sabbath is a way of resistance. That Sabbath is a way of restoration. That Sabbath is a way of redemption. So resistance, restoration, redemption. Those are the three things that we're going to be focusing on here tonight. And that it's framed in the context of a people who have been set free from slavery. So first, Sabbath keeping is about resistance. There in verse 15, it says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Observe. That word observe in the Hebrew is the same word that we see in Genesis when it talks about keeping the garden. So when you observe the Sabbath, it's like keeping a garden caring for it it needs to be cultivated so what so that it can grow in your life so that it can grow in our life sabbath is something that you have to care for you have to look after it you have to protect it that it's, it's as if something is threatening it there are things forces working against it and we have to cultivate it care for it protect it so he said observe this word sabbath Again, that takes us back to Genesis chapter 2, the seventh day, God creates for six, he rests on the seventh day. We see that theme picked up here, the seventh day we're called to rest, keep the Sabbath, but it is also tied into Israel's day of liberation from slavery. And that is the focus here for Moses, that we have to see Sabbath in the context of Israel being set free from their slavery in Egypt. 
In fact, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy are framed in the context of this people of God remembering their liberation from slavery. That is the first verse of the Ten Commandments that's setting them up. And it says to keep it holy, to set this day apart from all other days as the Lord your God has commanded. Israel has gone from having a Lord named Pharaoh who basically enslaved them, cracked the whip on them. His command on them was to work harder and harder and harder. And that's what he did to them. He worked them to the bone. He worked them to death. And now they have been set free by this other God who's now taken them out of slavery, taken them into the desert, and he is giving them a different command. He is giving them the command to rest. I know you've been treated, Israel, in this way, and you were commanded to work to the bone. You were commanded to live like a slave. But I'm giving you a new command. And that command is to rest. And we think, oh, you know, that that kind of slavery has ended now, but actually it is still very much alive in this world, both literally and figuratively. Tonight I, I talk about it figuratively here in our context, here in America. What are the pharaohs of our day? What are the pharaohs that we are dealing with here? That if Moses were to come today and stand before them and he would say, let my people go. Let me name three of them. Number one, and I've mentioned them before, The greed of economy. The greedy economy driven by the almighty dollar as the highest end. It will enslave people and destroy the earth. When greed is driving an economy, it will enslave people. The individualism of our society that says my freedom might be at your cost, but my freedom is the highest end. It is maybe in some ways the number one value here in this country in America. Freedom. But when wrapped in individualism, it means my freedom at your expense. And the third, that we have created a culture where we value things based on their utilitarian um, production. And that says my worth and value are based solely on what I produce. Uh, Drew was hitting on this in in the confession, that my value and my worth are based solely on what I produce, that that this this drives so much of our busyness, And, and we are so ingrained in it, friends, that it is hard to even see it. It is so much a part of our culture. And in the face of these, in the face of these idols, in the face of these gods, Observing Sabbath is resistance. Sabbath is saying, today I pause. Today we pause. We rest from work. We turn our attention to the Lord who leads us to see that there is enough. That I'm deeply connected and made for community. And that I get to rest with it. And that I'm valued without my production. It was my friend Corey Widmer's birthday this week, and he posted this quote from Henry Nouwen, and I want to read it to you right now, and it's deeply tied into the, the title of the sermon tonight, that, that Sabbath is really about grounding ourselves in our worth, that God declares over us. And this is what Nouwen says about birthdays. Birthdays need to be celebrated. I think it is more important to celebrate a birthday than a successful exam. 
a promotion or a victory. Because to celebrate a birthday means to say to someone, thank you for being you. Celebrating his birthday, a birthday is exalting life and being glad for it. On a birthday, we do not say, thanks for what you did or said or accomplished. No, we say, thank you for being born and being among us. On birthdays, we celebrate the present. We do not complain about what happened or speculate about what will happen, but we lift someone up and let everyone say, we love you. Guys, Sabbath coming here week in and week out is a place where we declare over each other that we are loved. It is a form of resistance. It is a form of protest to the idols, to the gods of our world who say you must prove your worth by production. One could say that if those who founded this country had really understood what Moses was driving at when he was talking about Sabbath in the book of Deuteronomy, that they would not only have not enslaved people, but they would have instead worked hard to make sure people were set free. That they would have made sure to protect those on the uh, margins, those who were vulnerable, uh, including the earth. Including the earth. Um, and this is where we're getting into that the Sabbath is about restoration. The Sabbath is about bringing restoration. It is about bringing justice. Listen to how deeply the prophet Isaiah sees the connection between Sabbath and restoration, between Sabbath and justice. This is in Isaiah 58, verse 3 and following. And we, we go from 3 and then to 9 and, and then uh, to 14. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen us, God? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. How is it that they please? This goes on to verse 9. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malice talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide your ways. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairers of the broken walls, restorer of streets, with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken." And what, what the, what the uh, prophet Isaiah is saying is that the people are crying out going, hey, we fasted, God. We fasted, we, we prayed, we've, we've celebrated Sabbath, and what have you done in return? You haven't heard us. And God says back to them, you're fasting, you're praying, you're celebrating Sabbath, guys. But guess what? You're still oppressing. You're still oppressing. Your servants are still working on the Sabbath day. 
You're still, oppressing the, you're still oppressing the marginalized, the foreigners among you. He's calling out their hypocrisy. He's saying, if you really want to honor the Sabbath, you will be about restoration on this day. Keeping the Sabbath is about restoration. In verse 13, he says, work for six days. And this is good. It's always important for us as Christians to remember that work is good because work can suck sometimes. Work can be painful sometimes. And that's not the work's fault necessarily. Uh, work is, is uh, there is toil involved in work, but work is good. Work is the way in which we often love our neighbors the most. It is a way in which we can actually bring justice into this world more than any others often. So work is good. To create is good. And work in its original form means to serve. Obviously, serving is not evil. It is actually one of the ways in which we worship, one of the ways that we bring uh, justice. It is also a check on your workplace. Is it understood in your workplace that you exist to serve? Some of you work for organizations that actually teach you that and train you in that, and I will tell you that in those organizations, if they're doing that, if they're teaching you that, then they, the leadership there is actually serving you as well, and it's actually an enjoyable place to work. It can be more enjoyable than those that are not doing that. So work is good, but then it says that, verse 14, that we are to rest from it. And not just you, but your sons and daughters male and female servants, nor your ox or your donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigners in your town are to work. They are to rest as you do. What is Moses getting at here? Moses is creating this day, or not creating this day, but he is speaking about this day that God has commanded us to observe where there is equality across the board where there is restoration across the board. And the person in power, the person who might have a servants working for them, on this day realizes that those servants are as he is, that they are humans like he is. And that this liturgy of doing this week in after week out begins to be ingrained in our subconscious, be ingrained in our conscious minds that we begin to live into that throughout Monday to Saturday. That the person you're resting with, that you're communing with on, sun, on the Sabbath, that person you're breaking bread with, that person you're spending time with, that they become your brother and sister throughout the week. That there is equality there. This is the type of restoration Sabbath calls for rest for all peoples and all the earth. And it's not just once a day. It actually gets expanded into every seven years. There's a Sabbath year where the whole community rests for, for a whole year. Imagine that as a church, as a, as a community, if we did that. And then every 50 years, there's a year of Jubilee where all the debts are forgiven. Now, I don't believe that our, our nation is a Christian nation, uh, nor do I believe that we're supposed to make it a Christian nation, but I do believe as the church, we are called to work for those things here in our city, or here in our community, here in our city, and that we are to work for those things across the world, including this nation. Imagine to see debt forgiven, how that would equal the playing field. Imagine 
to see our, our, our people resting every seven years together in community. What that would look like. And here is what Sabbath keeping exposes you all as we do it week in and week out. It exposes to us in our country, in our context, who is it that has to work on Sundays? What has created the widening gap in our society between the wealthy and the poor? That it might not be that way here in the church. That our church could be so generous that it would figure out ways in which people are able to observe the Sabbath, no matter how poor they are, because of the richness of the church. But there are people in our church, in this city, that have to work on Sabbath day. Sabbath exposes that injustice. It also exposes, Sabbath, how we've lost vision for the common good. The, the, the Sabbath is a call to inclusion. It's the word in our vision so that all may flourish. How important that word all is. It's not just so that some, so that the most. It's so that all. And really living into that is incredibly challenging. It's not something we can do on our own. But coming together every Sabbath is a reminder to us how inclusive the Sabbath is. How inclusive our God is. And lastly, Sabbath brings us all together to show us uh, whom does the earth belong to. That the earth belongs to the Lord. That the Lord loves the earth. And He does not want us to enslave the earth any more than He wants us to enslave each other. That the call we have as the body of Christ to wrestle with that reality of not enslaving the earth, but actually loving the earth as our Lord does. Sabbath brings us together to rest with each other, to rest with our God and our earth. Our connection, <clears throat> our connection to the earth, our connection to ourselves as humans, uh, what I continue to reference in my own life as the theme of embodiment has become so important to me uh, first in my studies as a theologian, secondly is my studies and my work as a counselor, and now as I've become more engaged in the racial equity conversation here in our country, the idea of embodiment or the return to embodiment is this theme that I see uh, that, we, that shows up from Genesis uh, throughout Scripture all the way to my modern-day influences like Brian Stevenson, whose grandmother asked him to put his hands into the dirt, to never forget where he comes from. That I, I in my own journey, lost, lost connection with the earth, lost connection with myself, that sin and the projection of sin and the systems of sin disembody us. They disconnect us from ourselves. But that the journey we are called to with Christ, the journey we're called to in Sabbath keeping, is a return to the earth. It's a return to ourselves, that it's a return to our community and to our God. It's a return to embodiment. Embodiment. Sabbath and the liturgy of Sabbath is calling us back, back to our humanity, back to a rebirth, back to our birthday 
like Nouwen mentioned, like the quote I read from Nouwen earlier above. Uh, Walter Brueggemann, who is an Old Testament scholar, has a book called Sabbath as Resistance. And he makes this wild statement about the practice of Eucharist, which we're just about to celebrate here. Um, and it is at the center in many ways of Sabbath keeping. This is what he says about the Eucharist. He says, I've come to think that the moment of giving the bread of Eucharist as gift is the quintessential center of the notion of Sabbath rest in the, in the Christian tradition. It is gift. We receive in gratitude. Imagine having a sacrament named thanks. And we are on the receiving end without accomplishment, achievement, or qualification. It is a gift and we are grateful. The moment of gift is a peaceable alternative that many who are weary and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care, receive gladly. The offer of free gift. This is what is being given to us. It's as if what Walter Brueggemann is saying at communion, that God is saying to you, thank you for being. It's a thank you card. Thank you for being. Verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your, our God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. That, that God has brought us out with his mighty hand. And I'm reminded of Jesus healing with his hand on the Sabbath day. That, that this is the Lord of the Sabbath doing his healing work, being criticized by the religious. But that God, with his healing hand, does that work on the Sabbath day and with an outstretched arm, and I'm reminded of Jesus' arms being outstretched on the cross. That he, God, would give his life to set us free. While we were still slaves, he gave his life for us so that we would know our worth so that we would be embodied again. that We wouldn't run from what it means to be human. That we can be human, let God be God. We get to be human. And we get to hear his song of love over us. That that's how much God loves us. That keeping Sabbath every Sunday, you guys, is like coming to our birthday celebration. To frame it in that one's quote that your worth is declared over you by the God, the liberating God, the freeing God. Let us pray.